Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Writing Raw. I am here again with Cobra. Yo. And I am here with Cam Cam. Yeah. We're back. Um, we're recording this episode outside Yosemite, California. So you're going to hear the birds. You're going to hear this, this little river behind us. But we had to come to a place where this message and these next couple of messages, we need the energy from outside to power us. Uh, the last time, I know Cam was there, we... Uh, I think it was what two years ago it was one year one year ago well, wow one yeah. year ago one year ago we uh we went out to utah to zion um, i brought the typewriter with me because i had several pieces that i had to put out but i had to get on top of a mountain to have that energy to let that message flow um so we're back out here again to uh to talk about this episode is going to be my story the the writing raw story and the beautiful thing is, is that I've got two guys here that witnessed the whole thing, and we're going to talk about it. We're going to dive straight into this thing. My story started around 2019 when it comes in, in regards to the Writing Raw platform. Um, in 2019, I showed up to my house, and there was a moving truck in the driveway, and furniture you name it, it was being removed from my house, the same house that I've been living in for 10 years. Uh, you know, I had a kid. I had a wife. I had everything going for me. I was living the American dream, if you will, the five, 10-year plan. I had everything going for me, and it all fell to pieces. And it didn't hit me until that moment. And that's one of the, the really weird things to me is the writing was on the wall, but it's like I couldn't see that because my ego was blocking it out. Like, this isn't going to happen. This isn't going to happen. And then when the action came and I saw that that moving truck in the driveway, it slapped me in the face. I felt like I got run over by a train. It was complete, utter shock. Um, yes, this is happening. Uh, the crazy part about it is, uh, Cobra, you've always been a family friend. Mm -hmm. We've known each other since we were 18. You were there the day my kid was born. You've always been involved with the family. And you and some of the other guys are other close, close friends, you know, this this brotherhood that we have, you were one of the guys that was moving this stuff out of the house. Um, the, the beautiful thing about our dynamic, our relationship, and I'm speaking in regards to both you guys and several of the other guys and gals out there that have, you know, surrounded me d during this whole thing, is I was watching you take things out of my house and put it in a moving truck. I could see that it hurt, but it's something that had to be done. Um, and you were there, and I had to hand my power and control, even though I didn't even know that I was handing my power and control over, it's like I was trusting you with it. And it's weird to say that now, because back then I didn't see it as like power and control. It was, you know, but now that I look back, I can see like when I was hitting this, and that's when I went primal. That's when I was just pure animal. I was no longer man. Um, I, I had a kid. That day I had the kid in the car with me. I knew I was still a dad, but I was just numb. Um hopeless I was completely hopeless at that moment it was one of the first times that I felt like I truly truly lost in life ever since I was 14 I've been able to provide for myself do all these things you know and I built a lot of my who I was based on my work ethic what I achieved uh, professionally but I feel like I just completely and utterly lost control and there was nothing I can do uh, when I pulled up to the house the uh, the ex-wife or the wife at the time she walked up to me with this piece of paper she had from her lawyer and it said that I would not file for abandonment and 
in a sense, I still trusted her. It's just I was looking for somebody to lead me, and I took that piece of paper. The kid and I went, and I had to get it signed by a notary, right? So I went to, uh, I think it was like the closest thing was a UPS store, and they had notaries on staff, whatever. So I go to this UPS store with my kid, and I wet sign this document saying, I will not file for you left this house, and I'm going to come after you in court. I sign this piece of paper, and off to the side I see this, uh, this like banner thing, and it says, we do passport photos as well. And I said, hey, man, let me get uh, two passport photos, one for me and one for the kid. At that moment, I have no idea what was going on in life. I just, I was completely losing. And the first thing that came to me was like, run. Just go. Just run. Take the kid and get the hell out of here. And I did. I got the passport photos, not knowing what I would do with them. I got the passport photos, and I found those photos the other day. And that's what kind of triggered all of this, uh, this episode. I found those passport photos, and I saw the look of a guy. And now that I'm in the place that I'm at now, I can look at that and say, like, damn right damn i could see the pain in the face the uh, the questioning when i say hopelessness i mean true true hopelessness let me ask you something this is something i was thinking about too because i heard that before do you think that uh, the moment that she handed you those papers um say i need this signed do you think you just took it because you had maybe some hope left that if you were just please her and make her happy that maybe this wouldn't go through? Excellent question, and absolutely yes. Yeah. I would say for the first six months after it happened, uh, the goal was still to get her back. Right. I was still going to win somehow. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's probably why I did sign it. Mm-hmm. That's an excellent so point. So a little bit was, about that. was autopilot. Yeah, um, auto, just well, just I mean, do what do what needs to be done. I was a complete autopilot. Was, right. You could have told me to eat ham hocks for dinner, and I would have ate ham ham hocks. That's how lost I was. <laughs> yeah. it was just this, there was this break, mm-hmm. and I knew it was broken, and I didn't understand what was going on. So it's like somebody just hold me. Yeah. If I could put it in a in a sense like that, can somebody just hold me? Right. Right. And coming from like the male, I don't think we've ever been taught for somebody to say like just hold me. Right. Yeah. Um, but moving forward, uh, the house was completely empty, completely bare. There was a couple of things left, but I remember, man, it was so triggering because uh, the outline of pictures on walls, right? It's got a fireplace, so smoke from the fireplace, patchouli burning every now and then. There's, mm-hmm. you know, the smoke rings from, you know, where the pictures used to be. So now you have these silhouettes. That rocked me hard. Um, I had the, I had the kid for the first couple of weeks after she left. So I'm in here in a barren house with a kid. And of course, he's just happy because he's got all this play space. It was it was actually pretty dope for him to see that you know that energy. And we were able to achieve some great things, him and I together. You know, during that time, we got potty trained. We did some great things together. I was still hopeless. When I gave the kid away, that's when it really dawned on me. It was no longer my wife left. It's no longer I was in pieces. But my kid, and this is the number one thing that still resonates from the entire divorce, all this stuff. I'm only going to get to see my kid being raised 50% of the time. 50% of his life. And that's what really crushed me. And it wasn't necessarily the control to be around him. It's just I only get to witness him. And, you know, it's every couple of months he's this much taller and he's saying this many more words. And when he comes back and he has these, you know, these verbal achievements. Absolutely. That's the, that was the punch in the stomach. What if he learns to walk and I'm not there? Absolutely. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Um, so that, that first moment when he was no longer in the house, I still had the dogs. Um, and they could tell that something was up, right? Dogs were always all over me. So you get that, you know, that unconditional love from a dog, which was very beautiful, very warm. But still, there was this huge hole. I thought I knew what hopelessness was, you know, a couple of weeks ago. But now I'm in this moment. House is torn to pieces. The entire, like, five, ten-year plan that I've been told to create, that feels like it's destroyed. That's when real hopelessness set in. That's when, and, and that's kind of how, like, the, uh, the writing raw got started. I was so hopeless, it was, it was suicide. That's, that's where I was. That's where I was inside my head. And if it, if it ultimately wasn't for the kid, I don't know if I'd be here. Well, in a matter of fact, I attempted the act, and I still failed. So it even felt like God wasn't going to let me to go out that way either. You know, you pull the trigger and the hammer breaks. What the, you know, what the hell? I can't even get out of this. I have no control over anything. So I remember it was, it was you, Cam. You said, uh, because I think you saw me in a pretty broken place. Mm. The entire time that we've known each other, you know, it's been distraught. Yeah. Yeah. Without me really even realizing when I first got there, what I was, I don't want to say getting into, but um, what kind of space I was entering into, I I didn't understand any of it. We were talking last night about, you know, recapping this stuff, how um, I kind of saw the actions before knowing why. And then it's kind of the same perspective that uh, the audience here is going to go through is that you see these things or you see the rights or the actions. And then once you learn the whole story, it all kind of pieces itself together. Um, but yeah, yeah. that's, I, I would say that that would be kind of the goal for this, this episode right here. Cause over the course of time, you know, I've been writing and the writing can be sexy. It could be these different things. Um, ultimately what I did is I started writing from a personal page and I had family and I had neighbors and friends and my writing that I was doing, taking a picture, putting it on Instagram, they would say, Hey, this is, this is way too brutal. What this is going to do is if you keep writing like this, you keep putting that stuff out there. I'm going to unfollow and I'm going to block you. So now you have a space where I can't even, you know, I'm not calling people. I didn't want to bother people with this stuff. Mm. But it's like if I just put it on, you know, just express myself in an artistic way, which all of us do, I would say, us here at this table. I can't even say it artistically. So what the hell now? I remember uh, Cam, because the other guys, they were away on a work trip for a while. And it was only me and you for a while, yeah. right? And you said to me one day, you said, what's, what's your happiest memory? And uh, I remember I was standing right in the door of the office, and you said that, and I was able to reflect back <laughs> in an instant, in an instant. And I said, my favorite memory that I've had so far is watching the kid play in the sand uh, out on the shore. Yeah. And you're like, hey, man, what if uh, you stay over at my mom and dad's condo? And that's what I did, yep. you know, out there on the beach. So I took the kid. We went out to the beach. And watching him run into the, it was the first time he's ever seen the ocean. He ran out there, and I remember he was calling the waves waterfalls. It was so awesome. <laughs> but he sees life, it's just like, it's so simple, and it's so easy. And I just reflected back at myself like, man, it was a good reset button. So I do appreciate that, and I'll always appreciate that. Yeah. It was a reset button. And I remember I took a, took a piece of poetry that I wrote, and I said something like, 
I have granted forgiveness. All is done. And like, and this is, mind you, a year and a half, two years after the separation. I had the the other long-term relationship that was just, and Cobra, you know this. I mean, it was just, mm -hmm. it was chaos. Because I was chaos. I didn't even know who the hell I was. And who the hell was I to try to waste somebody else's time, you know, and conflict them. Um, I know I'm kind of like scatterbrained on all this stuff, but I'm going to keep rolling with it. Separation happens. I go six months. Uh, do you remember what piece that was that you wrote? Yeah, the piece was... Well, let me do this, and then I'll come back to the okay. piece. Because the beach was after a lot of the, lot of the dumps, you know, the chaos. Yeah. Separation happens. Ex-wife walks out. For the next six months, um, I just chase skirts, loose skirts. I fill myself with an appetite because I'm a primal animal. I don't shower. Sometimes I didn't shower for 30 days. Sometimes I didn't eat. Sometimes I didn't eat for a week I did because I didn't know how to. My body wouldn't digest it. Um, water, I, I didn't drink water. I felt like a dog, so I treated myself like a dog. Sleep on the floor, whatever, you know. Um, does a dog take a shower every day? Nope, neither should I because that's what I felt. I reduced myself. I was Ultimately, I was self-sabotaging myself. Was it conscious? Um, I don't know. Like at that time, it, there's so much confliction. And I do think some of it was conscious because I remember like, hey, man, you should probably take a shower. And I'd be like, why? Why should I take a shower? I don't care. Hmm. Whatever. You're just lost. So for those six months, I chased, chased skirts. And, and finally, it was like after the last one night stand, hook up, something along those lines where I said, man, I'm tired of this because it's just making me feel even worse. I was trying to get that validation from these other people and it wasn't even fulfilling. So I said, all right, no more of this. And then I found the girlfriend. I said, okay, let me try investing in this. There's some validation coming from, from that. That lasted a chaotic maybe two years. I'm still, you know, still in destruction mode. And that's when we get to the beach in that piece mm -hmm. that I was ah, referring gotcha. to. Yeah, yeah. And, and after the, the girlfriend and I broke up, that's when I swear to myself, like, I'm not hurting anybody. Else. I'm not wasting anybody else's time. Who am I, you know? I'm tired of creating toxic energy wasting people's time when i don't even know who i am I said okay no more relationships no more girls it's time to focus and that's what started like writing raw when i went out there to um to the beach the piece that i wrote was pain is processed all is forgiven and now i claim hallelujah it was something along i think i remember that yeah yeah it's just uh announcing just peace i forgive you for the things you've done and just it's i'm, I'm done trying to like and that's the first, some of the first steps where it's like I was done pointing fingers. And also around the same time where I'm no longer, it, it was around that time when I posted that piece and there was another writer. And I didn't even know people wrote on Instagram and like took pictures and posted it. I just did it as a picture. And there was another writer uh, and she said, this is very inspirational. Like, I love this. And I was like, you know, what is this? And I looked up her page. I was like, man, people actually write poetry on here and they put it on the wall. It's like cool that's so that's what i started doing and that's when the neighbors and friends were like mm -hmm. hey this is kind of scary you need to stop doing this thing or we're gonna unfollow you it's like what the hell i can't even like express myself so i remember i talked to you cam it's like what do you think if i just made an incognito page nobody knew who i was and i could just say whatever i wanted you're like dope <laughs> run with it easy so we started writing raw and i promised myself that i would write everything that I felt in the moment and I'm throwing it on the paper because I wanted people to know the mind of a man where at the time it was still a boy or an adult male what it what is like inside of our head 
and realistically, at that time, I was still had some hopelessness to me. I was wanting to document everything that I was reading, uh, or not reading, but everything that I was feeling so that it was digitally imprinted on the internet because anything goes on the internet, it's never going away, right? In the event that I do one day say, screw it, I'm going to drive off this bridge or I'm going to off myself. or And I had these plans inside my head, like if I was to do it, how would I do it? And I had this running list. If I was to make that executive decision that at least uh, hopefully my kid would have something like, this is where dad was and this is why his mind was a mess and this is what he's figured out so far mm. instead of just harboring everything in because ultimately I am a generator I give and what I wanted to do was I've left something so if you're ever in this space um, you have something to go by and the reason for it is I remember I reached out to my dad and said I need your help in this time and he said there's nothing I can do to help you got to figure this out by your own it's like what the hell man right so I remember Cobra and I went to the bookstore. We were looking through books, and I couldn't find one book. Like, hey, man, this is what you need to do. So it's like, what the hell again? It's like, all right, I'll just write it myself then. And that's what I did for the next, and I thought it was going to take way less time than this, but it's been two years, and this is all I've done. For the last two years, I've locked myself in the house. Every time I didn't have the kid, I wrote. And I wrote, and I haven't read one thing. I haven't read a book. I've stopped watching TV, um, and I just poured into a stack of journals that's as tall as me trying to figure all this stuff out. Got some really good key points. And I know, Cobra, you do as well. And I know Cam's learned a lot. But Cobra and I have talked big, a lot about, like, bigger picture. Where we're at. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest things, uh, the, the worst things that I was doing that entire time when I was looking for validation and it even happened on the writing page, you know, I'd write something and some, some females would chime in and I'd get these pictures and, and it was, it was rewarding to me. Right. Cause I was getting attention. I was getting external validation and that happened for like six, eight, ten months. Maybe I was like, this is actually pretty cool. I know I still got it. It was just stroking that ego still. Finally, I was like, and of course I was liking it because I couldn't hurt anybody because mm-hmm. digitally there's a barrier. You're nowhere near in my hometown. I can't come over there and entertain your skirt, those types of things. So it kept me at a distance. But it was still stroking my ego. I was like, this is still bad. Because that's when I started to learn about validation. I was trying to get validation everywhere else except for within myself. And I think as soon as I learned to be self-sufficient within my own validation, uh, I really don't need anything else. That's one of the biggest things I've learned. I found validation with myself, and I found peace. And I can make sense of the hopelessness. And I can actually talk about it now. And there's times that I've told this story, especially in the last week, a lot of people we're working with now. I was telling this story, man, I teared up. Because it hit me like a freight train. But I think now that we're here in this beautiful place, soaking up its energy, <laughs> I'm able to uh, just throw it out there on the table. All right, Cobra, what's your insights? Hmm. Man, a lot, man, especially from the beginning. Um, I think it puts it in perspective as well because when you say, like, uh, here's a guy that I trust and he was in my house ripping it, you know, ripping it apart, you know, from from my perspective, I was also a guy that was in the very beginning of that relationship that's now ending. So that was kind of, you know, heavy for me as well. Obviously not as heavy as it was for you, but for me, um, that was pretty heavy, man. The, the craziest part about it for me is I wasn't mad at you and the other guys. Oh, right, right, right. You know, I wasn't yeah. mad. It's not like you were disrespecting me. And it's because I, in the grand scheme of things, and I think I just finally figured this out, how much I do trust you. Mm-hmm. 
how much I trust you. And, and for the crowd, when I say trust, I don't mean somebody who knows how much salt goes on your tater tots. I'm talking about a deeper sense of trust. What I had to do was tear away so many people within my circle down to, and I asked myself this question, and I, I do a lot of this for like my own life lessons. I put it in metaphors. If my wife was to fall out of a tub, hit her head, and she's completely naked, how many of my friends, my guys do I trust, actually pick her up without peeking, right? Little curious boy stuff. How many guys do I trust <clears throat> to pick her up and take her to the hospital? And it went from all of my toes and my fingers down to one hand. And at that point, I cut everybody out because it's ride or die time. I'm talking life, baby. This is real stuff. I'm going to hell. Who can I trust to go to hell with me? So when you were ripping my house to pieces, I still trusted you. And you still left a mess. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do some work. <laughs> did you did you stagger that in your head at all? Like as looking at Coves, did you look at him a different type of way for a second or have to process it? Absolutely not. Absolutely. It was complete trust. It was complete trust. Complete. I knew it had to be done. Yeah. And afterwards we had the, the conversation. You said, Hey man, this has to be done. It's like, okay, this has to be done. Right. And had just went through it maybe a year and a half prior yep. to you going through it, you know. So maybe that has something to do with too, because you, you talked me through my issues, you know, when I was going through it, you know, so. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, say, uh, I, I thought of a point earlier, um, and it's kind of, so I just described this to to another friend of mine, and it's stayed true this entire time. You were talking about how the page got started and all that stuff. And, um, from the outside, especially knowing where it comes from and and watching it, it's basically just like the the unfiltered mess that you can like put out there without any type of social judgment or anything like that because nothing's attached to you. And that's what speaks. Like that's what people want to hear is what people want to say, but you can't for whatever reason. And I think that's why everything hits so well because you need that depth. People are scared to say it. People are scared to say it. And I, I think one of the reasons that people are scared to say it is, so human beings, it's, it's scientifically proven, human beings, we are a packed animal. We run in packs, right? But who's your pack? Do you actually trust your pack? Mm. And I think within all of our groups, there are people you can talk to. And for anybody listening to this, and I know a lot of people that come to the page, um, ran a survey, and there are people who are like, who are struggling. There are people, there are resources, and... You know, you can be just like me and your neighbors and your immediate family can say, hey, we're going to have to block you. We're going to have to do these things. Then block me. Do what you got to do. But I'm still like, hey, I'm raising my hand and I'm saying I need help. And that's me saying it right now as a I'll be 40 in a couple years. Say it. Raise your hand and say it. Live in your truth what you're feeling and you say it. Time is of the essence. There are people around you. I have blood relatives, but you guys are deeper than that. When they say blood is thicker than water and, you know, I align with the family, I'm looking for somebody that can hold my weight in tears. That's what I'm looking for. And I've had that. I've cried in front of you guys. I've sweated in a way that was just unbearable. And you've been there to hold it. Blood is thicker than water. Get out of my face. Can you hold my tears? Hey, sometimes I need to be held. And 
I saw it with, with Brad. Do you remember Brad's situation? Mm -hmm. He walked into the office. This dude, you could tell he lost 20 pounds. His hair was white. I said, what happened? He said, the wife left. He's got three kids. She rolled out. And when I say left, I mean gone. Gone, gone. Not like moving to town with another guy. State lines, gone. Right. Completely out of the picture. He said, I don't know what to do. And we've been so many places together. And we've been around each other so long. He knew that he could talk to us, right? And he just laid on the table. And it was kind of like him saying, hey, this is my last, you know, is there anybody that can help me? It's like, yeah, do these things. And we checked in on him and we kept up with him. Everybody around you, just say it. And if some, you've got nothing to lose anymore. Say yeah. what you need to say. And if people are like, this is too much for me, then it's too much for them. Let them go. And then the next person, hey, I need help. And eventually somebody's going to say, I got you, bro. Or I got you, sister. Mm. Let's do this. At the end of the day, you want a strong team around you. And that's, that's actually a good way to to vet the people. You know, you be, you be truthful about what it is you're going through. And the, and the people that jump off the boat, they probably should have never been in the boat. You Absolutely. <laughs> so you weed it out, man. Yep. The boat goes faster, less people in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. But for the last two years, and I'm the type of guy, and I know Cobra is too, we've worked together forever. We're the type of guys, do you remember, it was like we would take those pumps, tear them down a piece just to figure out like just how this is out, working. Yeah. Just, just to figure out how it's working. And I think that's um, one of the reasons that I'm in this place. That's one of the reasons that, let's say, that trigger broke. There, there's a reason that none of this came to fruition because it's like okay this is your mission man you need to be able to say it in a way that and i'm not taking away from anybody you know your profession if you're a therapist you're a therapist awesome you're doing awesome work you know but there's some people out there they're not going to talk to a therapist and even if they do schedule an appointment they're not going to tell you everything why they don't trust you because they don't trust you they don't trust you so you're not and, and i know from experience i didn't divulge everything to all five of my therapists mm -hmm. For whatever reason it is. I think a lot of it stems from judgment. I mean, regardless of this person with their fancy suit on, sitting on their their couch, or you sitting on their couch, and they're telling you, you know, I'm a therapist. But I think subconsciously you may be thinking, like, what do you know about my story, truly? Mm -hmm. You know, have you gone through what I've gone through? And if you haven't gone through what I'm going through, you're probably going to judge me. Even if they won't, you're going to be thinking that. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. there's going to be a, a hesitance or a fear of actually uh, getting naked yeah. in front of them, you know. And then aside from, like, the male perspective, how many guys do you think are going to, like, go admit their problems to, in front of a stranger? Guys don't even schedule appointments at the hospital. No. Guys don't – they suck at that stuff. No. I know I do. I'm we'll not going to speak on, on behalf of all guys. before we uh... – Exactly. <laughs> before we make an appointment for something and go drive ourselves somewhere to go try to take care of ourselves. We just don't do it. So it's just like in the same thing with the Brad situation. Where did Brad go? Brad's got ample amount of, you know, 1-800 hotline numbers Absolutely. that he can reach out to. Mm -hmm. He didn't call any of those. He came to people that he trusted. Right. And if you if he couldn't trust you at that moment, and I think that's one of the steps that guys, I don't know if it's the same thing with, with, with women, but I, knew, I know for guys, when I go to you and I say like, hey man, I'm going through this stuff. And I had some of the guys who I thought that were like really close friends. And they said, ah, this is pretty deep. I got some stuff I'm going through as well. All right, man, done. It's, I, I have, there's nothing else I can talk to you about. Because, like I said, I'm, I'm ride or die. And even now, like, this healed place that I'm in, now it's still ride or die. Still ride or die. Because my time is precious. And I just don't want to kick it on the back of a porch with some guy who wants to talk about how the New York Jets just... I don't... Like, go away. And if that's your thing, like, I know that's your thing, I'll sit here and entertain it all day. Because you've... In a way, you've, you've reciprocated the respect and love for me, so I'll reciprocate it back. But for somebody who hasn't... No. Done with it. And it... 
for a while, I thought that was going to be hard as, as a generator, but not anymore. And now what I'm learning is after you do start growing, some people don't like growth either. It's like, That's hey, true. come back <laughs> to who you were because we right. like that version of you. Mm-hmm. You know, you're growing and it's like cutting sales here too, man. Yeah. I got a kid to raise. I got a life to live. Do you feel like you are, now that you're on the other side of it, do you think that you're, because uh, I know at one point in my, in, my, in my journey, I felt like I was running out of time, you know, but now here I'm on the other side and I feel like I have so much time still, you know, like obviously I know that I don't, but because I, I have the knowledge that I have now, it's like I can do more with the time that I do have. So essentially it's like I have more time. Does that make sense? No, it makes sense. You know what I mean? Well, it's, now it's uh quality over quantity there you go yeah, yeah. it's it, well it comes down to and that's going to be the next episode when we talk about trust and like building these uh these relationships with people but I, I do think when you start surrounding yourself with quality let's put it this way it's one of my uh another another big point for myself i know i'm going to die one day right that's going to happen it's gonna i've happen. accepted death yeah that can happen tomorrow and especially when i you know i've attempted it Death will happen to me one day. So the time that I do have, every minute of it is going to be precious. And I know they say, you know, one of the big models right now is live in the moment. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I can't live too much in the moment. i got a kid to raise. I, I, you know, I'm still investing towards that future. But ultimately, the moments that I do live in right now, I'm living it to its fullest potential. Right. You appreciate every moment. Every moment of yeah. it. Every moment of it. Nothing, it. nothing is taken for granted anymore. I think after you've been drugged through hell and... You've been singed and you've been scarred and you like there's no blood left. You appreciate all of it. You appreciate life. Mm-hmm. The crazy thing is, as as hard as that the past was, I guarantee the answer to this question is gonna be no. But would you do any of do any of it differently? You know what I mean? Oh, like, <laughs> I know exactly what you I've wrote it a hundred times and I finally put it out and I said, uh, I wouldn't have changed or I wouldn't have given my story or this hell to my worst enemy and I wouldn't have changed one moment of it. Right. Now looking back, I wouldn't have changed yeah. one moment for it. Not one. I do think that I have the energy and the power and of course the 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 team around me, the family around me, mm-hmm. like even right here at this table, who can support it so that some other guys or or gals, they won't be able to endure it. But I do think that we'll be able to paint a picture and build a roadmap so that people can get out of it. Yeah. And I think it's important, too, because I think a lot of times people don't think that they can do it because they never seen anybody else do it. Correct. So the thought of that journey just seems so long because you don't see an end to it. But you hear more stories about people who have gone through similar situations and you see where they are now and the sort of joy and peace and happiness that they have. And it's like, you know what? If they can do it. I can do it. Yes. You know, they bleed just like I bleed. They breathe the same air I breathe. Yep. You know, one of the problems is. Even in media, it could be Instagram, it could be any of these social media engines. The healing side of things doesn't sell as well as the drama. That's true, and that's unfortunate. It is very unfortunate. (laughs) Because just like I said, when people start to see you grow, you know, now I'm I'm raising my hand and I'm saying, hey, man, I found some peace here, and it's pretty awesome. And I've got the keys to it. And I could tell you about it in 10 minutes. I could write it down to 400 words. Just read this thing over and over every day, and you can get to that place. But is the message going to sell? Because I do believe some people, they're conditioned, and they like the trauma. Or that's what they're used to. Right. 
Right. It's going to be my next question was, we have experience with this, uh, particularly like the, the finger pointing side. You're trying to help somebody or get, like give them the things and they say, cool, yeah, I'll try that, but this person. Cool, I'll try that, but, you know, she'll, she'll never reciprocate that, blah, blah, blah. And it comes down to the point where you're just, um, you're, you're digging and trying to help, or at least, and you let go a lot easier than I do, but I still try and, you know, help and give these points and it goes nowhere. So you're dumping your energy into a bottomless pit kind of thing. That's hard, man. Cause I mean, I know exactly what you're talking about and it's, and it's true. Those, those people are hard to, to help. Uh, but I, I do think it stems from them not having the confidence that they actually can achieve what it is that you're trying. I mean, they see it. They know what you're talking about. They probably believe what you're talking about, but they're not going to come out and say it because once you accept that this is a, an avenue that you can take, if you don't have the confidence in yourself to say that I can reach that, you're just going to come up with every single roadblock that could possibly come up so you don't have to do that work. And that is a hard sort of barrier to, to break down. Yeah, you know, in a person, I know that because I was that person at one point, and mm-hmm. I was that person as Absolutely. well. Absolutely, excuse nothing you could you can tell me about you know anything, but luckily for me, um, I say lucky now, but in my in my journey, I had no choice but to go through it. You know, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't jump off the path. My 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 path was like was set, and there was no there was yeah. no shoulder on my road. I just had to go. Yeah, you know, but for a lot of people, they don't they don't have that kind of a road. They have other things that they could place blame on they can cover it up with and all you know mm-hmm. and if you have those options you'll probably take those options because they're easier options you know so that was your your breaking point being drugged down that one lane road you pretty didn't much. you didn't come to a point of exception you came to a point of realization pretty much yeah absolutely i like the way okay. you put that yeah absolutely it was the same way i had a lot of excuses a lot of finger pointing um let's go ahead and put the spotlight on us that's what we're doing right now right yeah. we've been through it we've done it um I thought I was entitled to a lot of things Hmm. in this world. I've been, I I think I've been built to feel like I'm entitled to certain things. So what it did was it made me point the fingers more. Mm -hmm. Um, A a deep part of that hopelessness was when I did like look in the mirror and start to kind of point the fingers at myself, that was very hard. So it's it's actually pretty awesome you bring this up because I'm now like right now in the moment I'm thinking about this. When I finally like, well, maybe it is me, and I would look at myself in the mirror, I felt like trash. And that brought me down like, I don't know if I can like come back out of this type of deal. Yeah. Yeah. Ref- looking back, when I did start initially, when I first started looking in the mirror like maybe I was the problem, um, those were those key like suicide moments for me. And I saw how ugly that I was in the way that I tried to create all of this stuff around me like... Nothing was ever my fault. Nothing, you know, she left me. She did these things. Like, no. At some point, like, I, I failed within that thing as well. Absolutely. So point of, like, where can I fix myself? Because in the grand scheme of things, and, and especially now looking back, do I want my son to be like who I was at that point? That's a question I ask myself as well. Absolutely like, not. No, I no. definitely don't want him to be you like that. Yeah. You want to, like, feel, people to feel sorry for you? When I think a relationship fails, it's not just one person. It's both. It's, you know, you came mm-hmm. into this thing together and somewhere along the way, like you broke as well. Yeah. So I think one of the biggest things is stop pointing your finger out, point your finger in. But no, like 
That's going to be a hard pill to, to yes, swallow when you start pointing the finger yeah. at yourself. Because you're, you're going to start seeing yourself. A lot of things. A lot of things. And those things take work to heal, you know, or to fix, whatever you want to call it. So. And in your case, if you're already down, you know, you're already on that slope and then you, you hit that, it'll take you straight down to hell. Mm-hmm. That's where rock bottom is. Yeah. That's rock bottom, baby. It's a hard place to be, but it's a beautiful place to it's be. It's where foundations are built from, baby. It is. Well, a, a <laughs> lot is. of people are scared to go yeah. into that place. And we've talked with a lot of friends mm -hmm. about how do you get to rock bottom without actually feeling rock bottom? It's like, I don't know yet. I don't know if we can. I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can. Like I said, I think it's just a matter of when you want to start. Yeah. You know? You but can prolong rock bottom or you can just... Keep on skimming the surface? Yeah. Yeah. Just go down there, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I, testament right here. I mean, I'm going to ask you. I'll go straight to Cobra. Mm-hmm. Is rock bottom a bad place to be? Yes, I think it's a beautiful place to be. Kind of what what Cam was just talking about. You hit rock bottom and you have the opportunity now to build your foundation. You have nothing else, right? You're not holding on to anything else. You're at the very, very bottom. You have nothing. Now you have the opportunity to say, okay, well, who do I want to be? And then you can lay out who you want to be and then you can build your foundation on that. Yep. And now you're rising on a rock solid foundation, you know? But you can't do that if you don't hit rock bottom. You I just agree. keep putting this house on sand. That's what you're doing, you know? Mm. So... When you when you hit that rock bottom, you take that hard look in the mirror. If somebody was to say to you, and I'll look at you right now, in the outside world, like, okay, you're living in your truth, so you are a liar and a cheater, and yes, yeah, I was <laughs> yes. Mm. Now what? Now what? <laughs> you know? What are we doing? Yeah, yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, but I think that's what people are afraid. It's like, uh, well, if I admit to that, if I say that, then that must mean I'm this. Well, it means you're that. Then now, what do you do? You know exactly. Well, they're gonna see me this. Okay. I don't care. Now you. Now what do you do? Yeah. What's you know? worse, trying to hide being that person or accepting it, and saying, "Yeah, I am that person." Place I'm working to be on trying to hide it. You yeah. know. Yeah. You get to a place where you look in the mirror, you don't even know who you are. You know, you're ashamed of yourself, but you don't want to say it. Don't want to say but it. But you are. Mm -hmm. You know. But. I don't know. And it just makes you so much stronger. Once you admit it, once you understand like who you are, and you tell the truth about who you are to yourself. I'm not saying you got to go to the mountaintop and scream to everybody, hey, I'm a liar, I'm a cheater. That's I'm what I did, and it worked for me. You know, <laughs> I get it. But <laughs> ultimately, I mean, admitting it to yourself and then doing the, the reverse work of how it got there, do the reverse on you know, getting out of it, mm -hmm. the person you're going to be on the other side, that's just beautiful, man. And how simple does life feel now? <sighs> Very simple. When I that say peace, peace, like people say peace, no, 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 I mean like goodness. Like, I can feel it pouring out of me. And it's, do you want to be here? And I can say, like, oh, I'd, I'd want to be there. And it's not that much work. It seems like it is, but it's not. It's not. Yeah. I remember initially when I first, when I first started this, there was this meme that I saw. And it was, a, it was a picture, and it had the same guy three times, and it's three different phases. And it said uh, he was carrying this huge rock. And it said, this is how it's going to feel next month. And the next one, it was a smaller rock, it said, in one year. And then in the next one, he's... He's like holding this little itty bitty pebble. Mm -hmm. He said, this is two years. I said, there's no chance in hell that it's going to take me two years to get here. And I was fighting it. I was constantly fighting it. Yeah. And now that I'm here, it's like, okay, that took two years. I humbled myself. <laughs> and two years went by like that. You know what I mean? Two years <laughs> went by like that. But what I do think yeah. is what we're talking about right here at this table right now in this time. And we've got the journals and, you know, we're all like writing as we go along. We've got something here where it's, it won't take you two years. I don't think it will. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not because I know it's going to be a case by case. But I will say this: what I do believe 
is that it's a matter of, I think I said this the other day, it's a matter of when you want your two years to start. Yeah, I agree you know with you. I mean? And if you start and it doesn't take two years, then by all means. But you continuing to fight, whether, let's just, let's call it, like you say, for what it is, let's just say it does take two years. Mm-hmm. And that is the, the end all be all or the, the, uh, the 100% truth. Like it takes two years, you know. If it does, then cool, start today. Don't say, uh, it's not going to take me two years. And then two years from now, now it's like, okay, well, finally, yeah, maybe it will take me two years. I'll start now. That was four years of work now. You four years I mean? of work. Like, don't do that. Start right now. So if I use a testimonial from one of our really good friends by the name of Brad, <laughs> it's been one year for Brad. You know what? Okay, then yes. He did. absolutely right. As, yeah. 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 Now Brad's frolicking in the fields of California somewhere right now, too. And he was in a bad way. Bad, bad. Mm. Bad way. Yeah. Yeah. So he said, what do I need to do? And everything we put in front of him, that's exactly what he did. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, just look at where he's at. Yeah. And one of the biggest things is, though, is that he trusted us. Right. And that's one of the things I tried to establish through the writing account for so long was establishing trust, establishing trust. It's like, this is everything's just transparent. And I think the more transparent you are, the more trust you're going to establish. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to hide. I'm not hiding anything anymore. There's nothing. To hide. Life's too short to be hiding all of this. Transparency. Trust. And and with transparency, somebody can say, like, well, I don't vibe with that. Okay, cool. Have a nice day. Right. But I'm trying to grow over here. Still love you, but can I grow with you? Mm-hmm. I will give you that, too, on, on the timeline thing. Because I think a lot of my process and it taking two years, your process and it taking two years, it had a lot to do with you're in that, that situation and you don't know what to do. So the entire time you're trying to figure out what to do. In Brad's situation, he said, I don't know what to do. And it was like, do this. Yep. But we didn't have somebody say, do this. We didn't have somebody right. do that. So, yeah, I could see it. There was no book in two years. at the bookstore to say, right. hey, guy, who's Step going one. through hell, yeah. go do this. Right. Um, think of like uh, the Marines, they have the field manual. Mm-hmm. If a snake bites you in the jungle, do this. Right. If your leg gets blown off, do this. It's right. just survival. And that's what we're doing in those times. It's, it's just purely survival. Mm-hmm. And when, and when people take that step that they don't feel like they can survive anymore, then that's when they're, they cancel themselves. Yeah. True. This piece kind of thing, you guys brought it up a little bit ago. I've kind of been sitting here pondering it. I thought about it a couple of days ago. Well, not a couple of days ago. I think it was yesterday. These days here have been going by long. We said it the other, a couple minutes ago that the first day we were here feels like a week ago. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's, Lately, in the past few months, especially here, I have like main character syndrome, where I feel like I'm like a like I'm the star of my life, mm-hmm. and everything like it's just happiness, peace. It's all good. It's I don't have negativity in my life right now, and it's the best thing ever. And I think it comes from that filtering, like um, kind of just not dealing with it. One of my favorite quotes from you, and it's not like a written quote or anything like that. You just say it all the time. Is you, it's not worth my peace. Not worth my time. I was going to ask you that because uh, I know a lot of people. They may listen to that and say, uh, "There's going to be times in your life that's not peaceful." I mean, sure, but it's like, yeah. okay, so in your situation, what would you do if something is coming into your life that is that is negative? You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you can't just like block out and say negativity is never going to come. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think it's the fact now that you have the tools to know how to get back to whatever your piece is or yeah. when it comes to your door you can say like eh, you can get like to here but you can't come in the, yeah. in the house you know and there's always 
troubles with that. I have yeah. a perfect example with like uh like my brother. Like loves to argue with me. And I've gotten to the point the past couple months that it's like calls me up, tries to start something. Hey man, that's you know, this argument's not worth my peace. It's not right. worth my time. You got yeah. it. Yeah. You can be right, I'm gonna hang up and, and then I'll talk okay to you in a couple hours. Like, yeah, you're okay yeah. with like leaving that. Like, yeah. so it's okay. No, it's not a, big it's deal. a lot of you like understanding your ego, it's yeah. like this isn't worth it. Yeah. You're not worth my. Is if it, I lose this argument, I lose this argument. Yeah, I lose yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it <is>. Nothing <laughs> changed, you know. Do what yeah. you need to do, man. Um, but yeah, just being able to put that stuff down, I think it does come from a mix of like ego, um, your pride, I've, emotional maturity. Yeah, I I grew up super super prideful, you know. Like somebody looks at me the wrong way, I take offense to it, and through this whole thing, like being able to let little arguments go. It's been weird, different, and like a big change, but it has been the, I mean, the best thing ever. When you just don't, when you realize that things aren't worth they the, don't matter. the time. Yeah. They don't matter. They straight up don't matter. They don't matter. No, this is awesome. This is a good talk. I think it's time for us to go by the stream. Yeah. Let's go do that. Kick yeah. it for a little bit. Kick it for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Absorb some of this beauty. Sun. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to wrap this up. What I want to say, if anybody's listening out there that you feel hopeless and, you know, you're coming here to this podcast, there's people in our lives. And I know there are pe- if, if you have time to listen to this podcast, you got time to think about those close ones in your life that could be suffering from depression, some type of addiction, somebody who's like, you can tell something's off. Reach out to them. If they know that, that you're there and that you're willing to listen, man, you, and I'm telling you, you can learn something from it as well. It's always good to reach out. Spread love. It's all about love. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's all love. Take that time out. Stop scrolling. Take that 10 minutes. Reach out to that person. Absolutely. And uh, if you don't have the energy for it, just throw them, you know, go listen to this. Go listen to this thing. Go read this dude's page. And hopefully eventually what we'll start doing is um, making it a way to where we can start talking to people as well. Individually or group sessions. All right, I hope everybody has an awesome time. Thank you for chiming in. Um, Many blessings and love from Yosemite. Absolutely. Have an awesome weekend.